Hope everybody's doing all right this morning. And a uh, little, little cold and rainy, right? A little cold and rainy, but um, still, still good outside. Um, how many of you are watching the Super Bowl tonight? Yeah. How many of you are watching the commercials of the Super Bowl? Yeah, commercials, right? How many of you didn't know there was a Super Bowl? Just a couple people. <clears throat> Just a few people didn't know. That's okay. Um, I uh, ran across a meme this week that I wanted to show you uh, right before we get started. And uh, it says this. I got an email explaining how to read maps backwards. Next, it was spam. (laughs) I didn't even know that was maps backwards until I read that. What makes that funny to me is the picture. You know, the little head down like that. Yep. We are in a series called Two Tents. This is the second in that series. And I want to explain part of the reason, just part of the reason that it's called two tents. Um, You and I experience life in two tenses, in two tenses only, past and present. We have not experienced the future. In fact, we don't know what tomorrow holds. If we're really honest, we don't even know if we're going to make it to tomorrow. We think we will because we're healthy you know, and we're feeling good, and we're breathing, but honestly, we don't know if we're going to make it to tomorrow or not. But what we do know is we have lived in the past, and we've experienced the past, and we're currently experiencing this moment right now. So your past has decisions that you have made. You've made good decisions in your past, and you've made mediocre decisions, and you have made horrible decisions in your past. Everybody in this room have made horrible decisions, mediocre decisions, and then great decisions in their past. Everybody's done that. You cannot change those decisions that you have made in your past. All of those decisions have brought you to today. And the person that you are today, from the place you work, to the place you live, to the place you're married, to the place you're married to, to the person you're married to, all of that, all of that is based on decisions that you have made in the past. You can't do anything about it. You are here today. The thing that you can do is you can make decisions today to make tomorrow better, or you can make decisions today that will make tomorrow worse. There are some people that have made the same decisions over and over and over in their past, and nothing has ever worked out, and they've never changed the cycle of those decisions. Today, you have a chance to break the cycle and and stop whatever it is in the past from going back to bad, 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 and actually making a decision to have a better day tomorrow. Or you might be sitting here today and your life is going great and you're following Jesus. And I praise the Lord for that. To be honest with you, that's not a prideful thing. There are moments where even I follow Jesus. Yeah. Okay. There's sometimes I don't. There, you know, I'm human and I wish I hadn't had those times, but I did. But today, you can make a decision. Like if you walked into this room following Jesus and trying to follow his word, then you can make another decision today, as a result of this message that we're going to talk about this morning in the Bible, you can make a decision to continue on that path or even make a decision that will allow you to draw closer to God. 
And I think this is very important for us to understand at the beginning of the topic that we are talking about this morning, which is marriage. <clears throat> marriage. And we've all made decisions in the past, you know, concerning marriage. And we're making a decision right now concerning marriage. And it will guide our future to tomorrow. So if you're turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, we're going to unpack some things about marriage this morning. By the way, <clears throat> um, the youth are at Snowbird. Actually, they have probably left Snowbird, and they're on their way back. They went on a, a trip to a, a Christian camp, Snowbird. They had a little thing this morning, and then they left right after that. Um, my wife is with them this morning, so she's not here. So I felt like that this was the greatest day to talk about marriage. <laughs> I, I, just, I just felt like it was, it was the moment that we could do this. And so, um, you know, I'm going to share some days that I don't want you to share with her. So I'll tell you which ones those are. But nonetheless, there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage. <clears throat> and Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, says these words. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea, beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for burning the toast? I think that's what it says in the Greek. <clears throat> Do what? Oh, it, it's just, that's just me. I just threw that in. That's extra. Today is free. It's free. Any cause. Um, for not doing the laundry, for, you know... I have a friend of mine, and don't throw things at me, I have a friend of mine that said that um, he's never given his wife a watch because there's one on the oven. He has a great marriage. This is just a wonderful marriage. I'm just kidding. All right. Verse 4, <clears throat> he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So he answers the question by not <clears throat> answering the question, really. But he does answer the question. He says, look, divorce is not a part of the plan of God. A part of the plan of God is marriage. And God is who created marriage. You did not create marriage. I did not create marriage. Nobody in this room created marriage. But man created divorce. Man did. God did not. Here's a couple of reasons that God created marriage to happen. One is every single one of us is born with a hole in our soul. We, we are empty. The first thing that is needed in order for that hole to be filled, that loneliness to be filled, is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that has to happen. And so God knew this, so he sent his son to die on the cross to shed his blood so that we could get forgiveness for our sins. He rose the third day so that you and I could have life abundantly. And if we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, it fills that void that's inside of our soul. It fills it up. And Jesus is more than sufficient. So if you're in the room and you're single and you've been single for a very long period of time and you're going to go to the grave single, I want you to know that Jesus is enough. He fills that particular void in your heart. 
But God created people to be in a relationship with each other. So God created us as lonely individuals, whereas God does fill the void and he's far more than sufficient to fill that void for us. God wants us to have relationships and there's tiers of relationships. There's um, the person that you married, there are your children, then your family, then your best friends, then your friends, then the friends that know you better than you know them. Are Are the friends that think you're a better friend to them than you are really to them? Oh, come on. You know, you have people walk up to you sometimes and they know you better than you know, you know them and you're just at a loss for what to say to them at that particular moment. Like, they really know me, them stalkers on Facebook. <laughs> Talking to me about stuff and, and so they're down here. God created us to have relationships in this particular regard. And the number one relationship that he created you and I to have is, is a marriage relationship. The very beginning... God created Adam and said that it was not good for him to be alone. And so he created a woman to be his partner in this life. It is not because there was some type of deficiency in Adam and Adam needed a woman to help him with all his inadequacies. That is a lie of our culture. He created a woman that is equal to him, that could help him and go through life with him. And check this out. Adam was created for woman long before she was created for him. And so together they go through life and they experience life together. I look at marriage like this. I look at marriage as I now have a different set of eyes to look at the world with. Nicole looks at the world totally different than I look at the world. We have some similarities, but she looks at the world totally different. She sees things different. And wisdom is taking what she sees and what I sees, and it sees, that's great, that's great English, um, and making it work together. Does that make sense? I have a different set of eyes. If you only have two, two eyes to go through this world with, you're living half, half, you know, it's hard to live that way. But Nicole has a different set of eyes. So he made us to where we would long for each other and for a wife for me to to fulfill that void that I have in my life. So I would not go through this life alone. And if you're a lady in the room, he created a man for you to live your life with, to be a partner with for the rest of your life. That's what he created marriage to be so that you would not be alone. And and I I am very glad Nicole has been gone since Friday afternoon, and, and I don't want you to tell her this. I hope she doesn't watch the video, but I, I'm looking forward to her being back home. I'm, I'm not necessarily going to tell her that, right, in this particular way, but I'm, I'm going to say, hey, missed you, and we're going to go on with life. But it, really, I have missed her a lot in the house. It's just too quiet. It, I don't want to tell that to her because, then, you know, that's just not a good thing. But, I'm, okay, I'm having a little bit of fun here. Okay, loosen up, people. <laughs> loosen up. Yeah, I really miss. I really miss her, and so so it's a loneliness that happens. But that's not the only reason that God created marriage. In Ephesians chapter five, there's a passage of scripture that says that husbands are to respect. Oh no, husbands are to love their wife like Christ loved the church, and it tells husbands to lay down their life for their wife, 
as Christ has laid down his life for the church. And then it goes to the very unpopular section that tells women to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Jesus Christ. And we get so hung up on this submission thing and all this, these other things with that relationship that we miss the picture that Jesus is trying to make with each marriage in the world. And that is a picture of his relationship with the church and the church's relationship with him. And so your marriage is a picture of that. Now, it's either a good and factual picture of that or it's not a good picture of that. But nonetheless, he created marriage in order to be a picture of his relationship with the church and therefore a picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he created it to be. So this is how this, this, kind, of, this kind of goes out. It rolls out here. First, if you are harsh with your spouse, it shows everyone around you how Christ acts toward his church. So if you're harsh with your spouse, you're saying that Jesus is harsh with his church. That is not true, but that's the picture that you're showing. When you are supportive of your spouse, it shows everyone around you how Christ acts toward his church. So if you're supportive, that is a true picture because Jesus Christ is always supportive of his church. And so your marriage is one where you should support your spouse. Here's another one on another page. When you ignore your spouse, everyone around you gets a picture that Christ ignores his church and his people. That is not an accurate picture, but that is the picture that you are drawing. When you focus on spending time with your spouse, you are showing everyone around you that Christ focuses on his church. That's what you're showing. That's the picture. When you don't ignore, when you actually focus, okay? When you are unfaithful to your spouse, you're giving a picture that Christ is unfaithful to his church, and that is not true. But that is the picture that you're making. When you have decided to be faithful to your spouse, that is a moment that you create a picture that Christ is faithful to his church and will always be faithful to her, just like you are always going to be faithful to your spouse. Is everybody tracking? It's a picture. And either you are telling the truth about Christ's relationship with his church and your picture is accurate, or it's fake news. Okay? It's just totally fake. And it's not really how he does. Your marriage is a picture about Jesus and his relationship. Here's how it goes the other way. If you disrespect your spouse, you are demonstrating to everyone how we should disrespect the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not supposed to be the picture. If you respect your spouse, you are creating a picture of how the church is supposed to respect the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a true picture. We are supposed to respect the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. And so the way that we act in our marriage will either show that picture or not show that picture. If you do not pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, I'm sorry. If you do not pursue your spouse, the picture that you're making is that the church should not pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that that isn't a correct picture. But if you pursue your spouse, you are showing how the church should pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very important. If you're married, you need to be pursuing your, your spouse. You need to be pursuing them. That is a picture of us pursuing Jesus. He pursued us first, we pursue him back. That's how that works. And then finally, if you're unfaithful to your spouse, you're showing the world that Jesus isn't enough for you. Jesus is not sufficient for his church if you are unfaithful to your spouse. But if you're faithful to your spouse, what you are showing the world as a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church is that Jesus is sufficient for everything that we need. Everything that we need. And so, yeah, it begins with the relationship with Jesus to fill that void. And then you find somebody that you marry and he's created marriage so that you can go through life and not be alone. That's why he created it. And then as you do that in a healthy way, it shows the world the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and how Jesus relates to the church and how the church relates to Jesus. It's, it's an amazing, amazing picture. And so God is very, very serious about marriage relationships staying together. He's very serious about that. Now, I'm going to repeat what I repeated at the beginning. Doesn't matter what you did in the past that brought you to today. You could be sitting here and <clears throat> you've been divorced and then you got remarried and you're sitting here today, you're trying to follow Jesus to the best of your ability. I would say this, you can't change your past, but you can make sure that your present is in line with God's word and your future is in line with God's word. And so what you do at that point is you make a decision that I am not going to do divorce again. I'm going to stay with this individual that I made a commitment to. You, the only thing that you can do is right now. You can't change the past you can only change the way the future is going to be, and you make a decision right now to stay committed to that particular individual. That's what you do. If you've been married for a very long period of time like I have, 27 years, yes, she has stuck around. 27 years. Then <clears throat> you make a commitment that you're going to continue on that path. You are just going to continue on that path. Marriage is that important. We are all created to be loved. We're not created to go through this life alone. God created you and I to stay together. So verse 7, it says, They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her her way? And he said to them, Because, you, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Allergies this morning for some reason. It's just, uh, it's just, I should have taken my allergy medication. Nonetheless, here we go. So it's because of the hardness of heart. So it's basically because of sin. It's basically because of sin, the sinful heart of man. So what I want to say, what I want what I want what I want right. What I want to say at this point is this. When two people get married, it is two sinners getting married to each other. Two sinners getting married to each other. There is not a perfect church, and there isn't a perfect marriage. I don't care who you're looking at. I don't care who you think has the best marriage in the entire world. It, there's not a perfect marriage. They might have a good marriage. I'll, I'll give you that. You, you can have a good marriage, a, a prosperous marriage, 
But it, there's not a perfect marriage because two sinners have come together and they have made a commitment to each other. Now, I've done a ton of weddings, just done a ton of weddings many times. And I've always wanted to, just to be able to write their vows to each other. <clears throat> I just have some vows that I just think would be a lot better than maybe the ones that we currently use, okay? Can, give me a second. Happened in the other service. I hate, I hate this. I hate this. So here's some vows, and, and I would like you to, to say them, to, maybe to your, to your significant other, or just say them out loud. I say your name. Well, you, don't, you say your actual name. Okay, let's try that again. I say your name. I will sin. Our children will sin. Our marriage will not be perfect. I will say things I mean. I'll say things I don't mean. I will say things in anger that I wish I had not said. But I will also say things of love to you. Yeah. Isn't that really what marriage is? I mean, it's nice for better, for worse, and richer, for poorer, but no, I think we need to say, look, I'm a sinner and you're marrying me. I, I look like the most perfect thing because we all thought the person that we were married was the most perfect thing in the world when we got married. <clears throat> oh, it's just going to be great. We all knew what marriage was like and it was just going to be a fairy tale, but the fact of the matter is you and I married a sinner and that means that your spouse is going to do something wrong. <clears throat> now, we can have a discussion whether this sin is greater than this sin. And Jesus would say that there is greater sins than other sins when it comes to marriage. For instance, you can get a divorce if the person that you're married to commits adultery against you. It's in Scripture. He says it here in this passage. It's set for adultery. If they commit adultery, you can get a divorce if you want to. Or you can work it out. I've seen it go both ways. I've seen adultery happen and the, and the two couple gets back together and it's a stronger marriage on the other side. I've seen that happen. And I've also seen it happen to where this person was not gonna quit their ways and they're gonna continue to commit adultery and they just needed to part ways and that was the best thing for them. But in scripture, in scripture, it is, it is adultery that you can separate. The second reason that you can separate according to scripture it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which is if the unbeliever leaves you as a believer, Jesus allows that to happen, okay? It's very clear. Now, <clears throat> I don't care if you agree with that or not. It's in the Bible, so I'm proclaiming it. The third reason that I think that you could get a divorce, and this is just my opinion, I, can't, I have no scripture at all for this, and I just want to be honest and just tell you this just right up front. I, I have no scripture for this. But in my heart, if someone comes up to me and tells me that they are being beaten by their spouse, I tell them to get out of the house. And that might be a relationship that needs to be done away with. Now, I really don't know how God feels about that. I really don't. 
But I cannot stand for somebody to come to me to say they're being beaten and I tell them just to stay in there because you're supposed to stay married. I just can't do that in my heart. They have to leave, they have to separate and let the chips fall where it falls. That's just my opinion, okay? The other two were factual Bible things. This is my opinion. But you, divorce sometimes happens because of those sins and those sins are greater than burning the toast, those sins are greater than her, in my particular regard, seeing something differently than I see it, and we meet each other with a fight. Totally different. <clears throat> I have been so mad at Nicole, I wanted to throw things. I didn't. I'm not going to. I wouldn't want to do that. But so spit mad. I've been so spitting mad at Nicole that I've said things that I wish I hadn't have said to her. You can't tell me that you haven't been that mad either. You can't tell me that. But man, I just couldn't bring myself <clears throat> to the thought that I need to get a divorce because I'm this mad at her. I couldn't bring myself. And so I thought about that. Why is that? Why is that? There was one time in our marriage, it was early on, because we were young and stupid, that she asked me this question. She said, Philip, why do you love me? Give me one reason why you love me. And I went, I, I can't give you a reason. I, I can't give you a reason. If you're a guy in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, Patrick? I can't think of a reason. I can't think of a reason why I love you. So, so I thought about it because it bothered me. It obviously bothered her, okay? Bothered her. But what's one reason? I mean, what do you say? Like, what is it? So I, I got to thinking about it, and a couple of days later, I realized I know why I love her because it would be impossible for me to exist without her. That's why I love her. It's impossible for me to exist without her. That's my attitude. So when I'm spitting mad at her, the idea of divorce does not come in my mind because I know I'm up the creek without a paddle or a life vest if Nicole is not in my life. Come on. It is, it is an impossible situation for me to visualize a world without Nicole. It's impossible for me to visualize that. She does so much, so much. It isn't why I love her, but she does so much. She keeps up with the kids better than I do. I'm not saying that men are, are bad at keeping up with children. I'm just saying that my wife is really good at keeping up with the kids. She's really good at calling them. She's really good at having a conversation with them. She's really good with all of that. I text, I do call, we do have conversations, but there is a... Mark difference between Nicole talking to the kids and me talking to the kids. We both love them just as much, but there is a difference. I would not want to trade that for the world. I would not want to trade that for the world. There's other things that she, she does better. In a, in a situation where things are falling apart in the moment, there is not a better pinch hitter than Nicole Brand. She can walk into a room and make it all look like we planned it for years. Just like that. 
I am not always that good. I like to plan. I like to plan out. I like to know what's happening. And then I can kind of adjust to a little moment that happens here. But when everything falls apart or when something's not going to go well that should go well, Nicole can step on the scene and she can make things happen. And I can't do that. She's, she's absolutely amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She comes home, she talks, she, she um, keeps me abreast of things happening in the political world in a very um, emotional way. Like she's very, in, I, don't, I don't really, I'm not really that into politics. Um, I do care and I do vote and I do at that level, but she keeps track of everything that's happening. And I'll tell you this, some of the conspiracies that she talked about about three years ago are happening. It's, it's weird. Not all of them. I'm not a, con- anyway, I'm going to keep on going. Anyway, <clears throat> nonetheless, she predicted some things that are happening in our culture today that I thought, no, nah, that's not going to happen, but she predicted it. It was pretty, pretty remarkable. She is absolutely amazing. I cannot think it would be impossible for me to live my life without her. I, I, I just feel that way. So in a moment where I'm holding my seat and I'm so upset at her, oh, I can't live without her, doggone it. Doggone it, I can't live without her. She irritates me, but at the same time, she makes me feel great. She's very caring for me. She thinks about me. She has me on her mind. And I have her on my mind as well. And so I think, I think sometimes the reason that people decide to break apart is because they've never gotten to the place where they feel like it's impossible to live without that individual. And you have to get to that place. You have to. And once you're there, it doesn't matter what happens in your life, you are going to stick around. You're going to stick around. This is the way it is. And so it's sinfulness that is the issue in a marriage. It's sinfulness that causes conflict. It's sinfulness that causes this to happen. It's sinfulness. You don't have a commitment before the Lord, and if you don't have a a thought process that you cannot live life without them, then that sinfulness is going to tear you apart, and it's going to break that marriage apart. But you have to get to that moment in time, or in that moment in your... um, thinking. <clears throat> it's right here. Oh, by the way, let me give you a public service announcement before I do this part. Um, guys, Valentine's Day is Tuesday. I know the Super Bowl's tonight, but just to help your marriage, <clears throat> Valentine's Day is Tuesday. So while you're eating your dip tonight, think about the flowers that you're going to get on Tuesday. That's all I'm asking. Just trying to help you, help you out there. This right here is a card that I received on a Father's Day years ago. And um, I've kept it. I have a box at home that I keep these little things in. I don't keep all my Father's Day cards because, honestly, they're not all that special, right? They're just not, just honest. You know, I love them at the moment, but it's not that special. But this one is a very special Valentine's, I mean, not Valentine's Day, Father's Day card because on the inside of it, yes, Aurora signs her name, but for the very first time, Quinn signed his. So this is, he learned his letters, He learned how to write his name, and this is the first card that he signed for me, right? And it's just valuable. So I hold on to this. The other day, we were cleaning some stuff out in the closet, and 
Nicole was going through, and she says, well, <clears throat> I'm going to throw away this card. And I said, no, you're not. You're not going to throw away that card. That, that is a very special card to me. And she said, why? And I said, because right here is the first time that Quinn ever wrote his name on my Father's Day card. And then she cried. Because, you know, they're out of the house at college, and so at a moment. And really, now that's a strategy for me. If she's ever upset with me, I just mentioned one of the kids. One of the kids doing something, and she'll, she'll just get emotional and change, just like that. It's, it's amazing. You learn these things after a while when you're married. It's, uh, it's wisdom. It's wisdom is what it is. So nonetheless, this is a very valuable card, and I will not get rid of this card. That is also a reason I'm not ever going to kick Nicole to the curb. She is too valuable to me. I have tons of memories with her. Great memories, mediocre memories, time the food was good, time it wasn't good, Christmases that were awesome, birthdays that were awesome, cake that is awesome, uh, buying vehicles, buying a house, working on projects together, doing ministry together. There is just a ton of memories, and I value her a lot. And so I'm going to keep her. I keep this card because it's valuable because of Quinn writing his words in there. Nicole is even more valuable than this card. And if your marriage is going to stay together, the person that you are with at some le- is going to have to be more valuable than anything else in the world to you. Come on. They're going to have to be more valuable than anything else. And fathers, mothers, that means more valuable than your children. Your children are very valuable. But without your husband and without your wife, the children fall apart. So that relationship, that marriage relationship, has to be what you value. There's a guy named Jeremy Renner. Um, <clears throat> you may recognize that name. He, uh, he's in the um, Avengers series. He's Hawkeye, okay? He's Hawkeye. And he actually has some music out. And I recently found him <clears throat> on YouTube and thought, oh my goodness, he can sing. And so I bought, I bought his little EP. And one of the first songs on the EP is a song called The Medicine. And it talks about what my sin needs is the medicine. And I, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but listening to it as a believer, I'm like, I know what the medicine is that he needs for his sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, right? And so I get kind of a spiritual, to me, it's a spiritual song, okay? Might not be to him, might not have written that way, but to me it is. The second one on that album is called Never Sorry. And it drew my attention in. Like when I was looking on it on, on iTunes, about to buy it, I was like, wow, never sorry. I, I've not been sorry before. Yeah. I've been in an argument and wasn't sorry about it. Right? Not sorry at the time. Not sorry that you're upset. Yeah, and I was like, wow, what kind of song is this? This is going to be my anthem in our next argument. I'm just going to play it really loud, right? Never sorry. But that's not what the song is about. The song is about marriage and commitment and sticking with the one that you've made those those vows to. And this is what it says. I never said I was sorry. My love, your pain, your eyes, no gain. I scream in vain. I never changed. Don't shift the blame. 
I'm still the same. So why? Now suddenly we're incomplete, and I'm not what you need, but I don't want to think you either stay or you leave. I'm not sorry for being with you. I won't rehearse better or worse. Is love cursed? I took your word for what it's worth. Hard lesson learned. You didn't believe what I'd always be, and I'm not what you need, but I don't want to think you either stay or leave. I'm not sorry I met you. At some point in your marriage, you have to get to the place where you're not sorry you married them. I am not sorry I married Nicole. I'm not. She should not have married me. <clears throat> she shouldn't have. And you don't know how much I believe that. She could have married someone with more money. She could have married someone that would have treated her better. She could have married someone where, where I don't know, she could, she could live her dreams a little bit more. She could have found somebody better than me, but she chose me. I, however, am thankful that I married her. Now, she is thankful she married me, so don't read anything into that, okay? I'm just telling you that she should not have married me. She could have picked somebody else, somebody better than me. But she chose me, and I chose her, and I am not sorry that I made those commitments to her in 1996. I'm not sorry at all. I've never been sorry for that. I've been happy with her and not happy with her, but I've never been sorry that we're together. I'm so thankful that we're together. And that is why in the critical moments where we are so upset at each other, I stick around and work it out because she's valuable enough to me to work out whatever problem it is that we are going through. Come on, church. She's valuable enough to me. Now, <clears throat> I don't want you to think that we are arguing all the time, okay? I don't want you to think that. If it was the first two years of marriage, you, you could think that. <laughs> you could really think that. First two years of marriage. We do not argue all, all the time. And in fact, we do not argue as much as we used to. And with each year that we're married, it seems to be less and less and less that we have arguments. Um, we have disagreements because she's headstrong and I'm not. <laughs> we have disagreements because we're both headstrong and because I don't always agree with how she views the world. We have, we have disagreements like that, but it's not like it used to be because we both value each other. And I'm telling you, you've got to value the person that you are with. You have to value them. You do. I was going to get into this today, <clears throat> but I'm not going to be able to. And the Lord's not leading me to, to go into the next section of the sermon again in this, in this thing. But I am being led to say this. If you really value the person that you're with, that means that you have eyes for only them. You have eyes for only them. The answer to lust is valuing the one that you're with and keeping your eyes focused on them. Come on. 
The way that you don't have an affair is to value the one that you're with. The way that you keep your marriage going and your concern for the person in your marriage is to value only them. The answer for a lot of things that pull us astray is for you to value the one that you're with. And Jesus Christ values your marriage partner and you should at least try to value your marriage partner as much as he does. And there isn't a person in this room that he doesn't value. And so you need to value that individual that you married. Um, <clears throat> I am not the same person I was in 1996. The 2000 version of me is not the 1996 version of Philip Brand. The 2010 Philip Brand is not the Philip Brand in 1996. The 2020 <laughs> version of Philip Brand in a wholesome where <laughs> it's not, oh, come on, that was funny. I was never in a hole. Never mind. Is not the same person that was even in 2010. We are constantly changing. And isn't that the beauty of marriage? You're not married to the same person that you said I do to so long ago. You're married to somebody different. They have changed. That's the beauty of it, isn't it? They change over time. And so when you're, <clears throat> when you're thinking about today, <clears throat> and you're thinking about your marriage, and you're thinking about the future, the decision that you must make today is that you are going to stick with that person, you're going to value that person, you're going to care for that person, so that tomorrow and today you will be the correct picture of Jesus Christ and his church to the world, that you will be a good witness to the world and especially your children and the rest of your family members. The world needs Christian marriages that stay together where both value each other and value each other so much that they will work through any issue in order to stay together. That is what the world needs. So it doesn't matter what happened in your past. I don't want you to feel guilty about that at all. I don't. Today's the day. Today's the day you can make a decision to go either the right way or the wrong way. And I pray that you will follow Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the stage you've given us. And um, Wow. Satan really tries to hinder marriages from being healthy. Constantly throwing darts. And there might be people in this room contemplating divorce. I don't know. Maybe people in this room that <clears throat> really have a good reason for, for divorce, and it's one of your reasons. I pray that you deal with that situation as you would deal with it, but Father, if if it's a situation where things can be reconciled, I pray, Father, that you begin to work on the hearts of the people in this room that maybe even walked into church this morning together in tension. But 
pray that with the power of the Holy Spirit that both individuals will begin valuing themselves, valuing each other to the point where they will work it out and come to the other side of that situation stronger. I pray for the marriages in this room that's been through a lot of stuff and they're together today and things are going well. I pray for protection in that relationship. Do not let the devil in and do not let their flesh do things that will cause them to drift apart. But instead, help them focus on you as the center. Submit to the Holy Spirit so that they can grow closer and closer and closer together as they draw closer to you. The world needs witnesses in so many ways, but this is an amazing picture of your love for the world, the gospel. And I pray that as your children, that the tenacity that we have to speak against same-sex marriage will be matched with the same tenacity to say marriages need to stay together and not divorce. And that we work just as hard on both of those issues. So Father, I leave everybody in this room at the foot of the cross. Encourage them, strengthen them, bless them. In fact, I just want to say bless each marriage in this room so that it can be more like you and what you want it to be. So we ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. The altar is open for you. I'm here.